Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Myself, Jordan and Tom, all here to reflect on two games over the Easter weekend. Uh, hopefully you all had a good Easter weekend though. Um, Tom and Jordan, how are yours? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, apart from two Watford games, it was uh, not too bad. Nice rest and uh, yeah, feel slightly refreshed. Yeah, I was, saying, I was saying to Tom before we started that it was like a, a sandwich that, uh, you know, had some lovely, uh, you know, lovely filling but um, awful sour bread that uh, has just gone off and it's all crispy and dry and no one wants that anywhere near your lovely filling. Mine was not a classic. I had plenty planned, but ended up losing a lot of the weekend, including the uh, Easter itself to uh, Lauren Home food poisoning. So a selfish other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It, what it has meant is I've watched all the football today, which has been great. Um but obviously, you know, I would rather she was well. So, would you though, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> She's in an earshot. No chocolate has passed my lips though. So, oh, well it's done. Been a, well, not through purposeful abstinence, just been the kind of way it's worked out. So it's been a, a funny old sort of Easter. But Watford has not helped. And chocolate for you, Jordan? Oh, I've had, I've had some. I wouldn't say an astronomical amount, but more than, more than Tom for the sounds of it. But. um yeah, I think I did all right on that front. You, yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had a whole Easter egg already, so I'm just thoroughly enjoying the the special day. <laughs> special, special day. day. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh. very special day. There was no resurrection to be had from Watford FC, there was there. <laughs> <laughs> no. It teed itself up perfectly, didn't it? But we're still stuck in the cage. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Shall we get on to talking about the games then? Um, I guess we'll start with Huddersfield um, and we won't talk about that awful, awful display because what is probably more important to talk about was the fact that it felt like it was uh, the breaking point for many Watford fans after seeing that um, terrible performance. There were a couple of positives. Young lad uh, Yasser Esprit scored his first goal for the club. Um, Long coming, and uh, it was a nicely taken one as well. And I suppose it was it, it was nice that um, Asombolonga got on the score sheet as well because you know he, he's a player that I feel plays better when he 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 has a goal. Some players just are like that, aren't they? Um, but in general, the whole game was was poor, and uh, yeah, it felt like it was the straw that broke the camel's back, Tom. Yeah, I think so. It's been a fractious season, hasn't it, from start to finish, really, from pretty much the moment that the last season ended all the way through to the present day. I think we have kind of seen on social media a bubbling and probably a boiling point now of kind of fan dissatisfaction. And we've been waiting for that to bleed over into the ground. I think we probably all expected or thought that it might happen at Stoke after the Rob Edwards sacking. And it may have had old uh, Watford not or Billich not started with a four 0 win. Yeah, but I think this is finally enough. Is enough is after the Luton shambles without kind of going back to ancient history too much. You know, that was the as you say the straw that broke the camel's back, and I think we can say it's been 
kind of very patient from Watford fans, which is not a criticism of anybody. Everybody's entitled to support the club how they want, whether that is sitting back and just enjoying it for what it is or getting kind of foaming at the mouth and rabid about it as others do or somewhere in between, which is where I like to think I am. Um, I think, you know, no one could complain how patient we have been as a fan base when things have been quite clearly going wrong. And that's if if you only look at the on-field performances this season, which Mm. have been largely abysmal. Jordan, what do you think uh, it was about the Huddersfield game that um, led several Watford fans to showing their discontent? Ultimately, I think being quite shit is the the main reason. (laughs) But um, I think it was... (sighs) You know, it was another example of uh, of exactly what we didn't want to see. It was gutless, spineless, soft, whatever you want to use to describe the the performance. And you know, there was a tension there, I'm sure, uh, and it, it spreads quick. And you know, it's been building, as you say, off online in, in a way as well. But then at, at the ground, it's going to reach that point. And obviously, the you know, you talk about the signs. There was the the one gentleman in particular that had his sign taken from him and and told you know removed from the ground or whatever. So you know, it's 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 a frustrating time. Yeah, I, I saw that happen in front of me actually. Oh, you uh, did. So you're you're better. Like, you, you know, you're in a better position to comment than I. But um, you know, it it seemed like the club was somewhat prepared for the for the possibility. Even to the point where I believe you know security was coming out a little earlier and the stewards were out a little little quicker and so on. But you know, it's it's not for no reason, is it? It's, it's a cult. It's an accumulative effect, and we've just reached a point where it's just, you know, it's beyond frustration now. And there's kind of no other way. It's going to be some outlet, and I think you're just starting to see the the beginnings of that um, at, at, in the home games, and it's probably going to continue uh, for the rest of the season now. Mm. Tom, what did you think of the, the forced exits from people who were brandishing signs? This is tricky. I'll play both sides of the coin here. On one hand, I, I don't. I think as long as it's a peaceful process, then there's nothing wrong with it. We've seen it at other clubs. In fact, even at this weekend watching match of the day, I saw Glazer out signs behind Eric Ten Hag at Man United, and those have been pretty permanent, virtually, um, since yeah, over the last kind of eighteen years of, of Glazer ownership, whatever it's been, seventeen, eighteen years. Um, equally. If you were the club, you can see why I'd want them removed as well, right? So, but I think it's a pretty poor show to try and quell what was a fairly, certainly looked, I wasn't at the game, as I've kind of said on on Twitter and whatnot, but what looked like a fairly well-mannered and uh, respectful protest. You know, we're not talking... Uh, anything kind of dangerous or angry, even it was just one chap, wasn't it, holding up one not enormous banner. Um, and it, it sounds like from everything that's been said, and obviously I just can't take these things with a bit of a pinch of salt because it all kind of comes from Twitter, but it certainly it sounds like he was uh, with two sons who I think were both adults, but, but nonetheless out for a, a, a day with his sons and um, was kind of met by the police afterwards who were pretty unimpressed with how it had been handled by Watford. And, and to be honest with you, I think it speaks for the wider point of that we've all probably had a pop-up in our minds at some point this season that it's getting a long, long way away from what this club is meant to be built on, what this club is meant to stand for when supporters are being turfed out um, in such a kind of egregious way. Um, You know, the kind of principles that that Graham Taylor built. So, yeah, not a good look at all from from Watford, particularly when there's been an acknowledgement that they haven't got things right. You know, it's behaviour of a club that was almost surprised that supporters were unhappy, I think. Um, I'm sure it's not news to Gino Pozzo, who wasn't even at the game, by all accounts, that we're we're unhappy at the moment. So, yeah, all in all, a pretty inglorious episode on an inglorious afternoon for the team and the club. Mm. 
I mean, it's a it's, it's a it's a big own goal, isn't it, from the club to to ask people to leave because it just throws more light on the situation, doesn't it? I mean, <laughs> if if you let people hold up the banners, you know, there's there's a chance that that doesn't get spoken about. But if you forcibly eject the people that are trying to hold up the banners, all of a sudden more people's attention is attracted to um, the situation. So uh, I think they might have made a mistake there the, uh, the, with the decision to, to, to do that. Absolutely. I think you've still gotten, you know, coverage amongst Watford fans, but it would have you're, been, yes. you're absolutely right. It's, it's amplified the whole thing, hasn't it? And the, the anti-club sentiment that there is. Um, ditto, I, get, I gather that the, uh, I think actually, Jordan, you might have just said this, the uh, stewards were out considerably earlier than normal. You know, all those things where it's it's just poor PR from the club, isn't it, really? That's the be-all and end-all. Mm. What, what, what's your opinion on it, Jordan? Do you think that you know they were they were right to voice their uh, their opinion? Yeah, I mean, look, I think everyone's got to have the opportunity to do so, and, you know, that's the only means they really have of doing it. Um, it could be handled better. Like, I don't think that Gino... I mean, I saw some very conspiratorial opinions on, on Twitter after the event, and during it and I don't think Gino rounded up the stewards beforehand and implicitly told them anything against me you know ejected <laughs> straight away I, I understand that they're trying to reduce um the, the the risk of things escalating and so on but you know I think you have to you have to find a better way of doing it um and we're going to be we're going to be harsh on on those situations because of the, the general feeling around the club as well but but I think you have to have the opportunity to do that. And the sign, really, I mean, if that actually offends anyone, then I don't really know what you can do because it's very tame. So mm. I think we just have to, to, to keep keep persisting and and see how they can deal with it in a better way because I think the club will realise as well that the backlash from that was not, not favourable upon them and they probably can't handle the next one in the same way um, and might have to make some, some alterations. But... Yeah, it's uh, just another uh, another example of. Um, I mean, just added to the frustration more than anything. But in, in the end, so it's just another example of that. One of the signs Tom said it specifically identified uh, for, for those for that group that um, they felt it was the players that had let them down this season and not the coaches. Yes, absolutely. I think uh, look, the coaches aren't blameless. We've had three; they're all good coaches in their own rights or have been good coaches. They've all achieved success in their careers. They've all achieved promotions in the Football League over a, a number of years. And, and in the case of Bilic and Chris Wilder, done things in the Premier League as well. But they aren't blameless. However, the problem runs far bigger um, than or f far beyond the coaches alone. And I think the problem also runs far beyond the players themselves with the kind of culture that's set on high. But over a period of 46 games, which it will very soon be, what are we on now, 41, the players have proven categorically that they either aren't good enough or haven't played well enough for a concerted period of time. The fact that we're only... Five points, sorry, six points. Crikey, my maths. Only six points off sixth place at this stage to me is a bit of a misnomer. We we are kind of realistically far further away from the playoffs uh, as a team than we are in in simple points terms, and and that that lies squarely with the players for me. They've proven a time and time again that they aren't either working hard enough or aren't good enough or as I say or, or repeat myself now but a combination of both and my suspicion is that it's actually probably more on the haven't tried hard enough haven't worked hard enough as I kind of said on the, the post Luton pod you've got to um, you've got to earn the right to play and I think a lot of the time they, they just turn up and think that they can they can just play and do the nice stuff and do the easy stuff and, and the rest of it will, will sort of fall into place. And, and even uh, jumping ahead here, but we saw against Coventry today that when essentially the pressure's off, because I don't think anyone has any belief that we'll get in the playoffs now, they started knocking it around nicely and playing good football and, and looking a threat for the first time in weeks. So, you know, that just for me kind of backs up my 
belief, I guess it's kind of confirmation bias, but you know, you take my point. So yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment entirely. At the end of the day, they have to go and cross the white line and professional pride and all that. They should, um, if they're as talented as is kind of said over and over, every time we sack a coach, we believe in this group, got a good group of players, blah, 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 blah. Then they should be doing more. So, you know, which is it? Not good enough or not working hard enough, not caring enough? I, neither's neither's good, but I, one is certainly more damning than the other. I um, watched uh, today's game against Coventry via a stream, and uh, I didn't see any protesting from the away end. I I wonder if perhaps there is a bit of fear there because of the ejections that um, people don't want to protest for 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 fear of being kicked out of of the game and potentially banned from from stadiums. I actually thought we're more likely to see protesting etc. at Coventry today off the back of the Huddersfield display and the fact that you know that was going to be. Um, away from Watford and kind of not managed by Watford stewards. Um, yeah, that's true. There's the argument that um, you could get away with it more away grounds. Yeah, but what I would say also is that you tend to get away from home. I think you do tend to get... A more loyal support? Yeah, yeah not even necessarily loyal. You know, they, those guys are loyal. Don't get me wrong. It's not a question of loyalty. But, but a, more loyalty to the ownership. Would, well, a support that will just will turn up and cheer kind of regardless regardless you know more greater kind of patience have probably been there through some of the worst times as well I'm sure there are guys that were going in that group that were going when you know Jack Petchy was the owner or you know even when things were going sour under Simpson and Ashcroft and and so on so I don't know it's it's uh, it's hard to kind of quantify it's hard to kind of qualify but yeah I think there's a kind of argument either way I suppose is what I'm saying I'm sitting on the fence. So where do the fans go from here then? If they want to uh, show their discontent, discontent, yeah. I think you, I think they continue continue down the same avenue. But no one wants to risk like a, a ban from stadiums for X number of years just for showing their opinion. Yeah, I mean, do it before the game. I think I think there's a good idea that was, that was referenced before. You know, do it at, if you get there early and do it at the entrance to the. Uh, well, the entrance that, that Gino will be taken, the players will be taken, then, you know, you can do that. There's nothing to stop it. Um, you know, if you feel that you can, if they do loosen things a little bit with the signage in, in the stadium, then you can do that. If not, you can you can still protest even with just your voice. You know, there's there's gonna it's going to get to a point where it's going to escalate further and further and, and frustration will grow, I do believe. And, you know, also, you, if you want, you could even protest with, you know, don't use your ticket or don't go to the game. If you don't want to watch it, then don't go and... It might not, you know, necessarily hurt the pocket that much, but it does. It does show something. It's difficult, especially if we don't even know if Juno's attending the games. He just said he didn't attend the last the last one time. I'm sure he wasn't at the game today either. Um, but that I think the voice will be will, will be heard. But you know, we we need to have a more direct way of doing it. Hopefully, this. Uh, this potential forum that's arising mm. shortly will give us some avenue as well, but. I think the important thing is just to just to continue looking for 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 different routes and 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 try to be somewhat unified as a fan base, or at least with those that feel the, the same way as you do, to to kind of continue to to look for the best route uh, to to get your point across. So it's an important one, I think. Perhaps it would help if a, a whole group uh, contacted the club and stated their intention to hold up a banner as the teams walked out or something. Um... Yeah, I'm not sure what what would they do if what would they do if they put across you know across the whole of the rookery one of the yeah. giant 1881 banners. You know they're gonna they're gonna throw them all out. Well, yeah, um, I mean, that that might be the route to go. That'd be interesting. Obviously, there has to be some level of negotiation with the club to get the banners in there beforehand and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I, I I'm not entirely sure. It's not exactly an area of expertise for me, but <laughs> um, I, I think it it would be appropriate to have some some discussion with those that are looking to do so. I think the one thing they can't stop you doing is chanting and singing at the end of the day. Can you know they you can't you don't need to bring anything in to do that. You just need to kind of be coordinated and and to be honest with you we we probably we saw the the start of that with the kind of um, you're not fit to wear the shirt singing, I think. That's so, it yeah. singing you're yeah. not fit to wear the shirt. 
I don't think it's much of a leap from there to the, you know, directing that ire at the ownership, to be to be quite honest. Um, I think it's it kind of, it was gonna take something to to kind of crack and that has and I think that will probably be, you know, the dam bursting now in in that sense. You know, we've got what is it, three home games to go? Yes. Bristol City, Cardiff City, Stoke City, you know, th- there's um, there's three opportunities there for people to kind of take, I suppose. And, uh, you know, you would reasonably assume that if and when it's finally mathematically confirmed that we can't get into the playoffs, that will be another kind of line in the sand that people will um, latch onto. And, yeah, as I said at the top, I don't kind of want to police how anyone supports their club. Me personally, my position on it is probably unchanged all season, really, that there have doubtless been a lot, a lot of mistakes from this owner and this ownership and the kind of executive level at the club. Um, There continue to be, and we need that communication, uh, as as we've discussed. But I don't necessarily think that there's immediately going to be someone better out there that's not to say you know we can't we shouldn't we should kind of close off that avenue forever because you know with that attitude then you you would have uh you would have stuck with Lawrence Bassini right but it th- th- there definitely needs to be uh, my preferred kind of route would be for Gino to listen to the kind of criticism listen to those around him give Ben Manga power for the kind of footballing strategy and recruitment and what have you, hand over the the reins when it comes to hiring and firing coaches. Let Scott Duxbury do what he's meant to do, the kind of commercial side of things and the day-to-day running of the football club, and essentially step back and just be an owner rather than trying to be owner, sporting director, chief scout, head of recruitment, and head coach to boot. You know, it just we're almost we're a big club in a, in a sense, aren't we? You know, we're one of the kind of probably. 30, 35 biggest clubs in the country and we're run like an amateur team at the moment. It's like the, you know, it's like the dad that bloody coaches the Sunday league team and has his son, captain, penalty taker, free kick taker, corners and and number 10 shirt as well. It's like that, isn't it? It smacks of that. Um, So I don't, I don't think he's beyond kind of reproach, but I, I certainly don't think he's beyond uh, rescue, I suppose, for want of a of a better word, either. But if if that change doesn't happen, then yeah, I'm Pozzo out. But at the, at the moment, I'm kind of teetering, you know. Right. Well, shall we move on to today's game then? Um, there were six changes. Uh, it was quite um, quite a different looking side to ones that we've seen this season. Um, there was. Uh, well, obviously, the, the likes of Ben Hamer, who came in uh, because uh, Dan had uh, got himself a second yellow card right at the end of the, the, the previous fixture. So uh, I think that meant he was just out for the single game, doesn't it? Um, it does, yeah. Could have, could have been a red and out for more. But um, that meant that uh, there would be a change in goal. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But Ben Hamer, there was also a change at right back um, because of the injury so Andrews came in, and we'll talk about that in a bit as well. There was also um, a Sombolonga and Akuna, Saar and Kamara coming in, um, which meant the likes of Backman, Yaki Asena Davis, uh, et al. stepping out. Um, let's start with the with, with with the first one then. Ben Hamer in goal. Um, a bit of a surprise because a lot of people would have expected. Maduka Okoye to come in because he is the recognised second choice keeper, although perhaps he hasn't been the second choice for some time, but we just haven't really had that communicated to us. But um, was you surprised about that, Jordan? Yeah, I think there was some there was some discussion of an injury to Okoye. I'm not sure exactly. On the, I don't think it's been clarified by the club at this point, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, if if not, then you would you would think so. I, there's been criticism of the Akoi deal. I know it's, it's somewhat complex with his uh, squad position. You know, the the fact that we have been opting for a, a homegrown goalkeeper as well, taking up that position on the bench. But 
you know, Ben Hamer has experience and maybe they trust that in, in, in that game. I think the, the few times we've seen Okoye, or maybe the only time we've seen Okoye, he was okay, but he, he made a couple of mistakes too. So it's it's tough to say, but it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a surprise. It was definitely a question mark going into it. We knew obviously Backman would be unavailable, but it was it was definitely just going to be a kind of find out on the day what the actual situation is. Right, here we go. Right. <clears throat> yes, I was surprised because I put out on Twitter, well, at least we're going to see Maduka Okoye today and having only seen him in person once when Matt, you and I obviously went to the MK Dons game in the cup and he was culpable on one, if not two goals on the night. I thought, okay, well, that's a that's a good thing. We'll get to get to see him and, and, and judge him properly. Um, but someone promptly tweeted me to say, oh, he's, he's injured, actually. He had a shoulder injury earlier in the season. A, a cursory bit of research tells me this, and he was kind of unavailable uh, for, a, for a little period. But he has been on the bench as recently as the end of February, which is only kind of a month ago, give or take, five weeks or so ago, give or take. Um, obviously, we know we've been kind of juggling with the rule of 11 this season between him and Hamer, depending on uh, the rest of the, the squad. So who knows is the answer because there's a wider point I did a little bit of digging earlier to see what happened to the injury updates because I made a long list during the game of players today that were missing uh Backman obviously we know suspended there was no Ngakia Gaspar Keenan Davis Tom Clevenger Don Tom Deli Bashiru Samuel Kalou Maduka Okoye Mateus Martins Edo Kembe or James Morris in the squad now some of those we obviously know have injuries Cleverly Kayembe um, Keenan Davis, I had forgotten this because I got pilloried on Twitter by someone, but Keenan Davis went off a couple of weeks ago as well, so he's injured too. But some of those, nothing has been said. Courtney House, if he's even still in the, the WD postcode. Um, but some of those, you know, there's been no kind of communication around. And so I thought, well, when was the last time I saw uh, an injury report? There was one prior to Wigan. But it essentially only referenced Saar by name and then said, oh, you know, usual bumps and bruises. And then prior to that, the most recent one was prior to was pre-QPR, which was Wilder's first game. And it was a kind of proper um, injury report there that, you know, went through kind of everybody. Ferreira and Gakia being back to travel, Kamara being injured, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, well out of date, considering that was his first game in charge and that was... A, well, exactly a month ago today, actually. So it's it's been a month of, of, of Chris Wilder, and that's evidently out of date. So where have those players gone? Where have the injury updates gone? I would hazard a guess, based on nothing more than experience, that Chris Wilder is not one, I'm not a head coach that likes giving out team news. Martin Allen, when I worked at Barnet, if you asked him for an injury update, he'd go, oh, we've got some players that are working hard to come back from an in, from injury, blah, blah, blah. He'd give you nothing. And I wonder if Chris Wilder's in a similar kind of vein. He said, right, you can knock that on the head. We're not giving out any information. Um, so, therefore, in a really, really long roundabout way, I wonder if Okoye is injured and is a bit of a victim of that that we don't know. Certainly, there are a lot of players that were kind of missing without explanation and, and therefore led to Ryan Andrews starting it right back as well. Yes, and that's because of another injury to Ferreira. Uh, who you have some questions about regarding his injury record, Jordan. Well, yeah, I think there's a little bit of a trend which is somewhat concerning. It's, it's something I might look at a little bit further or go into a little further um, as well. But, you know, it's um, he's he's had trouble getting on the pitch consistently. In the last game, he just came back and then he's, he's already missing out and you know, he just recovered from a hamstring injury and... It seems like a hamstring again, potentially. So it's yeah, it's frustrating. So I like him as a player, but you know we we need him on the pitch and we kind of need him now. So you know, evident evidently because we're having a an under twenty one brought into the first team to replace him. So yeah, frustrating. Um, we need all the players. We needed all the players possible available, and he's just one that we haven't been able to consistently rely on, which is again a shame. So I like the player. Uh, and when you bring someone in, Jan in in January, you hope they're going to be someone that can contribute for the rest of the season. And really, it's been, you know, not enough uh, to, to this point. Yeah, and, and, and Andrew's in because uh, Ngaki is also injured. Is that right? 
yeah, there's, there's some I think there's some question around the, about around the fitness of the fullbacks or the right backs in general, and uh, yeah, and Gakia seemingly can't um, isn't available for this one either. So yeah, not ideal. I also did some research on that, and in Wilder's six games, only Mario Gaspar in the first game, QPR away, has done the full ninety. Since then, Ngakia started the next three, but was replaced on 66, 64, and 65 by Gaspar, Gaspar, and Ferreira. Ferreira then started at Huddersfield and was hooked for Ngakia on half time, at half-time. And then Andrew started today, and Kelsapri did not complete the 90 minutes, replaced by Cathcart on 70. So in every single game bar one, he's substituted the right back, at, or right wing back, I suppose. Um, usually at the kind of same point and I don't know if that's a kind of change it up or he just doesn't fancy any of them particularly or the players that have been in place have not played particularly well I certainly thought Ngakia played well against Birmingham but it's very um, it's strange we've got three right backs and essentially none of them convince and yet we've also had Cathcart, Andrews and Dan Gosling play at right back this season it's just become the jinxed position almost (laughs) yeah it's a good point bring back Dan Gosling if he was fit I think he's gone already, hasn't he? He's gone. He's gone, yeah. Well, who knows? Did the club ever confirm it? I'm not sure they did. Um, I don't think he could be registered because they got a special dispensation to bring in... Who was it? Was it Bakuna or somebody? Or I can't remember the reasoning, but I don't think he could be registered. So I think that they, they've just released him, have they? I don't know if... Well, that was what was reported, wasn't it? He does still have a profile on the... Um... On the club website, though. So, well, what does that mean these days? Well, exactly. So, several changes uh, to the squad, and given the horrible performance that we saw against Huddersfield, um, and up against arguably a much tougher opposition in Coventry, who are chasing the playoffs themselves, you can imagine many Watford fans thinking, "You know, should I give this one a miss and just spend the spend the day with my family?" But um, I'm pleased I tuned in uh, because it was a surprisingly Good, and I'll, I'll I'll quantify this. Good first half performance that um, that we got to see. Yeah, I mean, it definitely started more more positively. I think it looked a little a little freer. Obviously, we had a change in shape as well uh, to help facilitate some of those changes. Uh, but it yeah, it was a little a little brighter to begin with. I thought the movement was better. We looked a little bit sharper. Uh, you know, Jao Pedro was occupying the forward position or kind of staying a little further forward, just on that left hand side. Uh, as well, um, obviously Asen Belunga pulled up very early, but the the goal came about quickly, and it was a good move and a good counter, and it kind of really allowed us to use that pace and power that we do have on the counter attack. We don't often get the chance to counter. I think we we've, we've said a few times, or you know, a lot of people have mentioned before, you know, why don't teams come at us more when we're as frail as we are? But I think that was an example of why it is a risk to attack Watford in that way because they do have individuals that can hurt you and. It just so happened that was the case. So, yeah, it was a good start. And then obviously, you know, we'll get into it. But the second half, not so good. What do you think it was about the the first half that was so different? Why, why, why was that? Well, I think the change of shape is one. But I think also, you know, the way that Coventry came on to us did allow for that space to to attack and break and you know, counter, which helped. So talk, talk, talk us through the, the change of shape then, Jordan. What, what was different about that? Well, we went from the back three. We switched to a, you know, effectively a four-three-three. We still had Chowdhury operating the uh, in, in that kind of deeper defensive midfield position, but then you had the pressing ability of of Loser and Bakuna in front. Um, just helped the length of play a little more. Uh, we had obviously the extra width uh, with with Pedro operating from the left and then Saar from the right. And I think it coincided with the players just looking to have a little bit more freedom. Um, you know, as I said, that added space on on the counter attack too didn't hurt at all and uh yeah it just it just clicked a little more and i don't think the, the change in shape is the only reason i would say that there was just a a general improvement in the game uh, in, in the execution overall um but you know it, it's one of those things where it, it does build upon itself and you know, when it's going well it was going well and it improved but i think once we started to get tested and once things did go against us then we we, we started to see the the negative side of of what this Watford team can be Mm. Tom, what did you think about the first half? Did it surprise you? Yeah, big time. I thought we'd get a really flat performance, to be honest, after the uh, 
the debacle against Huddersfield, and obviously the season's over. Realistically, you know, whatever, whatever you, however you dice it, it, it is over. And I think the players have shown that they're not going to, you know, particularly try a leg at this stage to get us into the playoffs. Huddersfield game, obviously Luton game, everything changes, injuries, unavailability, change of system. I, I was expecting it to be a lot flatter, but as I said earlier, I wondered if you know a little bit of pressure was alleviated and and that gave them kind of the freedom to play play with a bit more oomph. I thought the thing that was quite apparent was that we looked a threat on the break, didn't we? Um, that was how the goal came about, and there are a couple of other kind of chances like that where we got kind of balls in behind and and used the pace on the on the counter to run at them um but the the thing for me was that we we were moving the ball quickly and you know with confidence and little kind of almost like little tricks and flicks and one touches and and round the corner and stuff like that and it was just it was enjoyable to watch it was like an entirely different team to the one we've seen for the last however long um so yeah, I just wondered if they were kind of unburdened by the fact that they accepted that the season was over and everyone hates them. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was it was markedly different from I think anything we've seen in the in the time that Chris Wilder's been here, save perhaps for the the Birmingham City home game. Yeah, I had a smile on my face watching that first half performance, which hasn't happened. Watching Watford for several probably probably months now. Um, which was nice. Um, what did you think? What did you make of the um, of the debut of of the two players that, that came in? Uh, let's start with uh, let's start with the youngster then, Ryan Andrews. Um, he played for us previously in the FA Cup, didn't he? But um, this was his first start. Um, we've mentioned already because of the injuries. But what did you actually make of his performance? I thought he was competent. I think he handled himself reasonably well. He didn't. He wasn't overly expressive in his performance he was a, a little bit shy i'd say to bring the ball forwards which i understand obviously um but he, he looked decent you know he had he had some 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 pace to him he did okay with the ball he i think the most important thing is he, he didn't expose us he didn't he didn't cause any problems i think when you're bringing in a player in that situation that's the, the the main thing you look for anything else is a plus just don't make the team worse and i think he he didn't do that that's for sure yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was good. I thought he, you know, didn't look kind of out of place. wasn't bullied physically or anything. wasn't kind of overly given the run around. It was. It was. It was a decent performance. Um, I think, as Jordan said, maybe kind of in the kind of going forward stakes, there was he could perhaps have have done more. But it was for someone that had kind of come in pretty unexpectedly, certainly to us. That is. It was. A, it was a really, really decent, really accomplished performance. I felt a little bit sorry for him getting getting hooked for Cathcart and, and even more um, so or even more so I should say when uh, the goal came the equaliser came from a ball in from that side um, not too long after was it it was only a kind of a couple of minutes after the, the sub yeah he picked up a yellow card hadn't he so I wonder if he was it was if he was taken off for that reason or do you think it was purely a, a technical reason to to make the switch to the back three Probably a bit of a combination of both, I think, wasn't it? The the yellow and you know some experience at that point. I think we could all kind of see it coming a little bit, couldn't we? The 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 kind of the change in the mood and whatnot around, and and the way that Coventry were coming at us. It, it felt like we've seen this one before, and it's only a matter of time until um, they get the equaliser, and, and and so it proved. The only surprise was that we didn't manage to go on and lose it. Yeah, uh, it felt like it was uh, edging towards their game, wasn't it? Once they had scored the second. Fortunately, though, Watford held on for the point, but really should have taken all three. But anyway, I'm I'm trying to forget about that because <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed watching the first half and I'm just trying to cling on to that memory. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Um, how about Ben Hamer then? He um, had his... It sounds peculiar because he's been on the bench quite a lot this season, but he had his first game uh, in a Watford shirt. Um, how did he do for you? I mean, first half, I'd just say, well, uh, I thought his distribution was better uh, than we've seen from back when mm. he was kind of clipping the ball out, you know, into midfield as well. That was good to see. Um, he looked reasonably com- confident from crosses uh, and set pieces, which is good. But the goal was really poor, somewhat comical to watch again. Um, you know, we're talking about the first goal for Coventry with a the cut inside and shot and, and Hamer's kind of gesturing as the ball's going wide, you know, like the kind of hands to side safe signal following track in the ball and the ball just, <laughs> <laughs> the ball just curls into the bottom corner. And, you know, it's a well hit shot. And, uh, but I don't think the curl was necessarily an abnormal um, movement of the ball or anything. It was just, it was just misjudged. Uh, and, you know, then <laughs> Hamer is kind of, pointing at a defender straight afterwards and so on. But, you know, it wasn't good. It, was, it wasn't it was a good goal to concede. I'm sure he'll be frustrated, embarrassed and so on. I know it's difficult to play that position, but yeah, it really wasn't ideal. You know, there were, there were parts of his game that were good, but that one is going to be the thing that people remember uh, this performance for, I'm afraid. Mm. I mean, it, just, just to defend him here, I thought it was going wide as well. So I was a bit surprised when it when it found its way into the back of the net. But you weren't in goal, though, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. No, I wasn't. No, you're right. Um, so in general, he, he he did okay, but goalkeepers because they're judged on the fact that when they concede goals, it's bad, and when they don't concede goals, it's good. He had ultimately a a bad day. Just a just a it's just a bad goal. I mean, ultimately that's what you're judged on, right? That's you know the goals you concede are going to be are going to be scrutinised, and that's just a bad one to concede. I think you know he he'd save that the you know ninety nine times out of a hundred you, you're judging that properly. I'm not sure. Do you th- I mean it was really in the corner though? Do you think that he would have saved it even if he had dived for it? Well, I mean, but, would would it be judging him so harshly if he had dived? No, definitely not. I would not judge him as harshly if he dived because that's way more forgiving because he's making an attempt to save the ball, but. You know, you can. But would you, he have saved it anyway? Maybe not, but you can assume it's going wide and still going to make the save. There's no negative to come from trying to cover the base. You know, trying to cover the um, the angle on goal. If you if you dive and the ball goes wide, if you're that, that's one thing. But if you're tracking it and deciding that you've made the calculation, it goes wide. You've got to be pretty sure. You know, it's the difference between letting the ball run to the goalkeeper or making the back pass. If you're not sure, you're better off just you know playing at home and and dealing with it there but uh, i'm sure any goalkeeper coach will would be critical of the decision to just decide you know it's the same as when the shot goes over and the keeper might run back towards his crossbar and jump and just tap the crossbar you know making sure the ball has gone over rather than judging by the eye and and, and just assuming it's going over it's it's always a risk you're taking and i think given the situation given the fact he's just come into the team it's one that I'm sure he he regretted the second he saw that ball ripple in the back of the net. Was it the the sort of mistake that a goalkeeper hasn't played for a, you know a fair amount of time makes? I wonder. Yeah, I don't know. Just to you know throw that into it's 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 a it's a it's an error. Whatever you say, I think someone on the do not scratch your eyes space said, "Oh, um, was was it the wind?" It was pretty blustery. In fairness. And it was pretty blustery, but you know, professional goalkeeper. He's thirty-five years old. He's played a decent amount of football in his career. Those sort of things shouldn't catch you out. But I, 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 I just wondered. You know, he obviously hasn't played all season for us, has he? His last, his last game was in in January of last year. 
for um, Swansea. So, you know, he's not played a, a huge amount of football. I just wonder if that's an era that someone that almost hasn't got their eye in makes, you know, to, because he evidently thought it was going wide, didn't he? My, my caveat would be that you don't see those mistakes very often. There's a reason for it, really. Yeah. Do we expect then Backman to be back in at the weekend for Bristol City? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah, I think he does come back in. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see why there's any why there's any reason why he shouldn't be in. I mean, he's he's the better of the two goalkeepers at the minute, isn't he? Or, or, or is the best it, of the three, I think. Or, or is there a question over that? I know he has his haters. Just judging him from Twitter. Do you know what? I'm really I'm genuinely interested in this. I haven't put this in the running order, but let's talk about this. Daniel Batman draws an incredible amount of ire from Watford fans, some more than others. And I just don't think it's justified. Is he the best goalkeeper we've ever had? No, not by a long chalk. Is he the worst? No, not by a long chalk. He is, for my money, just a fairly run-of-the-mill championship goalkeeper. I don't think he's cost personally. I don't think he's costing us points on a weekly basis. Nothing like it. There are aspects to his game that he could be a lot better on distribution being one of them, his kind of command of his area and coming off his line and kind of decision-making around that would be the other big one for me that kind of regularly gives me cause for concern. But I think he's an excellent shot stopper and I think over the course of the year has probably saved us more points than he's cost us. But I do wonder if he has lost some fans because of his personality, which seems to be quite confident and quite outspoken almost at times um what do you two think i think i think you you nailed it with the end bit i think he's made some comments which haven't helped his cause i think as a i think as a goalkeeper he's he's pretty much what you said i think his distribution is an issue at times um he can, he can make mistakes through just you know, decision making or you know poor judgment and so on but he is a i'd say he's an above average shot stopper and it, it, he can be obviously he has his moments and he's, he's saved us points as as well as he may have lost us a couple he's definitely saved us probably more uh, I, I think it's I think if you look back at goalkeepers we've had in recent years I think the ceilings and when I say ceiling I don't mean potential like you'd necessarily normally use that term but I mean in regards to just their performance and output I think the goalkeepers we've had previously they, they have errors in them but generally their season their ceiling is a little higher you know look at the the Gomez or um you know, even Foster when he was playing, you know, obviously he has his detractors for for similar reasons, but way, you know, way more so. But he he did have the ability to play and and consistently do relatively well for us. Or even going back further, Almunier and you know all these players, they they're just a little bit more. Um, they can be more of a difference maker at times. I'm not quite sure how to necessarily articulate it as I'm saying this, but. I just do, that... do you think that fans sometimes expect more of their goalkeeper than they probably should? It feels like every fan thinks their goalkeeper should be Manuel Neuer, but there's only there's only there's only a handful of really really great goalkeepers out there, and you have to basically accept that your goalkeeper isn't going to be like the best goalkeeper in the world. Like you don't, you don't expect your strikers to be you know the the Agueros of the world and the, and the Messies of the world, but but for some reason, we expect our goalkeepers to be the best. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think we've maybe been a little bit spoiled with the goalkeepers we've had in some ways. And although they had errors in them, um, I, I do think that the players we had were towards the end of their career and were, were generally higher level goalkeepers. You know, you're looking at Almunier and and Foster and, and, and Gomez. They were players that had played at a high level and were capable and then, you know, Backman's the first goalkeeper we've, that's come in for us and been a starter in you know, really the last decade who's been that kind of middle eight, like middle of his career sort of goalkeeper, 25, 26, 27, and so on, year old goalkeeper that's been still finding his feet a little bit and not kind of have been having had that established career and then dropping down to Watford and playing towards the end of his career and, and finishing off there, which is what we've been more used to. So I think we got to see a little bit more proficiency at times. I think... It, whilst they had their own issues, we're just seeing a different sort of downside to a goalkeeper. And I think what you said is true. You know, maybe we expect a little bit too much from the goalkeeper. And it's definitely a position that can be kind of armchair quarterbacked even more than others at times. Having said that, I do think we need a new goalkeeper in the summer. But hmm. I think Batman will be off, won't he? I can just, it just feels like one that's kind of run its course in a strange way. Yeah, probably. Do we think Okoye will be off as well? 
I'm not quite sure they'd be willing to 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 kind of disregard that investment as as early as that. Agreed. I could see him getting promoted to number one regardless of whether he's ready. Interesting. We'll watch that space as it uh, progresses. Mm. Um. Okay then. Well, those are the two uh, debuts that we saw performances from. Um, we also got to see a lot more of Enrique Arauge after he came on following Britta Sombolonga's early hamstring injury. Just a moment on that. Um, Sombolonga had been playing fairly okay up until that point. It's a shame that he's picked up that injury, which might see him out for the rest of the season now, do you think? Good chance. Um, at least a few weeks. Probably the way that he pulled up like that, I'd, I'd assume... You're looking at a multi-week issue. And do you think that'll be him gone from, from Watford? Is that his last appearance for Watford? He he might be back in time to play some games, but I don't see him playing past this season. Okay. It's a shame. He he scored a, a fairly decent goal in, in that um, awful Huddersfield uh, defeat, which will probably get forgotten about. He's probably done about what was expected of him, hasn't he? Being the kind of third choice. I, I feel like he's gotten a little bit better as the weeks have gone on and kind of got some sharpness and minutes and what have you I wouldn't be opposed to keeping him as a third or fourth or whatever kind of choice striker next season and this is actually a very new opinion that I'm piggybacking from someone who tweeted me over the bank holiday weekend saying given the amount of homegrown players that could potentially leave this summer would he be a good kind of homegrown player to have um, probably content being back up um, might not be a bad idea um, given he's already at the club and, and so on I suspect wouldn't cost the earth but um, no I think he's Is he a fairly local lad as well? I don't know he certainly came through the the, the, the uh, academy thing didn't he with um, West Hearts College so you reasonably assume he's, he's local-ish but yeah, I think he's done about what was kind of expected of him. Um, he's, he's probably almost been asked to do more in that Keenan Davis has had a bit of a crisis of confidence and then got injured. Arouge has been a non-option. Is there anyone else? It's just those two and then Asamba Longa, isn't it? So That's left, yeah. That's left, yeah. Yeah, I just kind of double check that yeah so we got to see more of Arouge then um how did he do for you Jordan did he do you, do you think that he um impressed no not particularly um it's a, it's a frustrating one with Arouge I think I think as the season's gone on the more we've got to see of him it's been very sparing but you know, there's been multiple managers that haven't liked him as an asset and I thought I'd go back and look some more because I I did make an effort to, to to watch a fair amount of him before he joined and you can see a lot of the positives that he has to offer and no, I do think he's got good movement. I think he can be a dynamic forward. I think he's, he's got good instincts in the box. And I think there's definitely a player there. But what I will say is it's, it's he's another, perhaps another casualty of watching a player at, you know, play at a youth level in some respects. And he's, he's struggled to adapt to the, the, the professional game a little. Um, I don't like, I don't, it's kind of a, a lazy narrative to, to suggest that he's not physical enough. But I think he's perhaps not ready or he's not up to the pace that's been that the game's been played at in front of him. There's a couple of times where he receives the ball and he's kind of he's kind of made had contact made against him and had the ball taken away and he he always looks surprised when when the ball's gone from him and it's he's just not quite got there. And I feel for him in some ways too, because he's he's also not had the minutes to to adapt and adjust. And I think he's a little unfortunate with that because as I said, I do think there's a talent, talented player in there. But I just think it ends up being a situation where it's just not been a good fit uh, for either the club or the player. And uh, it, it's unfortunate. You know, he's played minutes for Benfica, but it's limited. And most of that time was Benfica B um, that, that we're able to look at. And it's just not really the same intensity. Whilst it is obviously still um, you know, in a pro league, it's not, it, it's not the same level or it's not played in the same way. And he's uh, he's not really been put in a position to to best showcase his his abilities. Also, doesn't help that we don't really play uh, in a particularly offensive minded way that suits a, a more kind of active in the box poacher style finisher. Because you are feeding your scraps, we're slow to find him um, from a movement perspective, and you just don't kind of get that. You don't get that momentum. You don't get that. Um, 
that kind of comfort within the team, within the system, because he's not really playing to his strengths. So, yeah, it's, it's been a bad fit, and that's kind of on us, I, I'd say, in a lot of ways. Do you think he's likely to get more football regardless, though, because of the injury crisis? He, yeah, he, he might do now, but it wouldn't surprise... I mean, I, I don't get the impression that Wilder is particularly keen um, based on his omissions. Adeyemo, maybe? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he's a... I, I undoubtedly think that Arush is a better player than Adeyemo, personally, from what I've seen, but um, it, it'll be, it remains to be seen whether, whether Wilder will fence that more. But I'd say, look, he's not been involved in the squad. I think if... if if Wada wanted Adiemo in, he's had the opportunity today and he chose a Roosh. So I think it probably will be a Roosh, but it's, or he just moves Pedro back in and has Semmer on the left and we go that way. You know, I think there's, there's other things we can do, but I would I would assume that Wada's not particularly keen and I don't think he did anything today to, to prove otherwise. What good things did we see from today that you, that you liked? That's a big um, question. <laughs> I think that I think the, the, the you know, elements in the first half. There was positive. There's there were positives in the first half. I think the the fact we played with tempo, we were a little quicker to get the ball forward at times. We weren't af- afraid to play with. Uh, we weren't play, afraid to play forwards early. Um, but you know, I, I, there were still there's just two. It's just I, I think it's difficult to to pull positives. I think also it's you know it almost feels kind of inane at this point because we, we we know that so much this we looking for positives long term is, is is kind of irrelevant because we know how how different this team is going to look on the first game of next season so it's really hard to to pull those positives out or really focus or dial in on them too too much because we know that it's going to be different no matter what happens but you know I think Imran Luzer played okay obviously he scored a goal he did well for the goal but his movement was good he misplaced a few passes but he looked sharp and he looked better and the previous performance, you know, obviously seeing a debut is always nice. And apart from that, you know, it's 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 tough for me. I can't think of any now off the top of my head. But yeah, those are two that stick out for me. And Pedro did decent too. On that point there, Jordan, we know the season's done. The Watford aren't getting back into this. What would you do looking ahead to next season with the remaining games we have left? What what What's your opinion on that? Because we have to play them. Yeah, it's one of those where I think you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Because if 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 Chris Wilder plays, uh, he already knows he's off as well. That's it. Oh, that's it. He it doesn't matter him, but I think the overall piece. If it's um, you know, a team that evidently isn't our strongest, evidently isn't our first eleven on paper, right? Then I think there's accusations. Oh, the the Potso's middling in the the team selection, oh, see, we phoned it in, even though we could mathematically get in there. But I think most supporters, and this was evidence that the Huddersfield game when Ismail Asal got booed coming on, uh, are just so fed up with this group of players that actually, you know, you probably would get a, a better reaction by playing Adiemo, uh, Ryan Andrews, Jack Greaves, Adrian Blake, people like this, the names that we know but maybe don't know much about. Um because, you know, at least you feel like they're going to give their all and, and run around. Whether they're anywhere near championship ready or not is uh, kind of neither here nor there in that respect. And and try and kind of build around some of the guys that are, are there. But I think he's also got a duty to put out what he believes is a team that can win and is the strongest available or best available 11 for any given game. And up, right up until the moment that we can't anymore. As soon as we can't get in the playoffs mathematically anymore. Um, because that is the job he was brought in to do, like it or lump it, then yes, I think I would I would do that and say, you know, anyone that... They're kind of like Roy Hodgson did last year when he said, we'll we experiment now after relegation and, you know, let the board influence it or the ownership influence it a little bit because, um, as Jordan rightly said, there's, it's evidently going to be a, a, a summer of quite quite significant change this, uh, this year. Yeah, I think, you know, I... I... I think Tom's right. Um, there's not too too much to add to that. I think you try and focus on the assets you will have next year, but you know it's it's tough to motivate a coach to necessarily do that when uh, if they're not going to be part of the plans. You know, if if Wilder was to stay on and that was agreed you know, beforehand, then it would be all about assessing what you have, and it'd be an opportunity for players that do want to stick around to to play, and those that don't, you could you could make a decision as you wish. But um, for us as fans, I think you know if we want to 
keep any level of sanity during this period you, you and you're watching the games then the, the things you look for are you know what what do we see in the players that are going to be around next year the um and the Imran losers that you might look to build around the Porteous Hoot, you know those sorts of players that you, you're trying to find those upsides. Maybe start to see some some relationships build between those players and and kind of go from there. But or you know maybe maybe you see someone like Ismail Asara, Jao Pedro score a couple goals and perhaps you know, raise that price tag a little touch. But um, mm. yeah, I think if I was the if I were if I was there now, I'd be hesitant to play too many of the young players because I. I I don't think they particularly really are likely to be around the first team next year either. Uh, so I, I would just focus on what we have that we know can can contribute from from the beginning of preseason and, and forwards. The other thing with the youngsters is, and I heard someone say this on Do Not Scratch Your Eyes the other day. Oh, it would have been the Huddersfield would have been the perfect game to throw in the youngsters, and I thought, are you fucking insane? Be the worst game to throw in the youngsters. Toxic atmosphere. Players getting booed coming on the pitch. Chance against uh, the players. Protests against the owners. You don't want to, you know, if we are genuinely at a point where we're going to start producing a few and potentially using a few, we don't want to absolutely ruin them, before, you know, mentally put them under that kind of pressure and expose them to that at this point before they've even had a chance. You know, if we're going to be probably using a few more then you you need to do it in a way that um isn't kind of going to crush them i would i would say because it's it's um it's not a nice time to be playing for Watford is it and as we all kind of predicted it's probably going to continue for a little while yet um until the end of the season so i actually think in having said everything i said you know you do really have to be careful about how we how we do it and selecting the you know the ones that are almost the right character have got that kind of strength of character, strength of mind to to deal with being part of that. You know, not that I expect Watford fans to get on the back of 17, 18, 19 year olds who haven't been complicit in this shit show of a season. But, you know, it's a it's a tough environment to play in when it's it's hostile and, and that's not a criticism of supporters. It's just a, a statement of fact. I'm just ready for the season to be over. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But we've got a podcast to do, so not quite yet. No, not quite yet. And we will carry on bringing you podcasts, um, even if it uh, if it kills us. <laughs> and um, yeah, the next one will be uh, coming up after Bristol City. And, uh, and then we'll probably do Cardiff City and Hull City as one. And then Sunderland and then Stoke. And that will be... That'll be a wrap for the uh, for the season. Oh, that'll be a wrap. A wrap for the. Uh, we'll find something fun to talk about in the next episode. And uh, anything, any other business guys that you want to point out season. or mention? I'm, for, no, I'm sure one thing we know for, for sure: podcast. news does come out about Watford quite quickly. Things happen. Agree. Uh, and for a team that that's on the field, antics become less and less enjoyable. Generally, we have a fair amount going on to talk about off the field. So we know there's a lot of things coming up in regards to meetings with the with the chairman and owner and all that particular fallout, uh, et cetera, that we will have to discuss. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep going and, and keep powering through. But for today, I think we've probably pretty much covered everything of note at this point. Okay. Tom, anything from you? No, all good. Okay, then. Well, uh, that just leads me to say uh, thanks very much for, for listening in. Um, it's been yeah difficult to go through this one, but at least we had the, the positive of that first half this afternoon to talk about, and um, maybe we can build on that in the next game and um, and actually see a, a whole ninety minutes of, of good football because that would be lovely. Just one final point: I'd like to thank a few people, uh, a few patrons to the show: Hanson Ho, Nick Lansing, Michael Abrams, Steve Brown, and Matthew. And if you would like to become a patron. Uh, you can find us on uh, Patreon just by typing in Watford Buzz Podcast. £3 a month, that goes towards running the show and hopefully buying us a beer when Jordan comes over, um, which may not be in time to see a, a football game now. Is that right, Jordan? Seems seems unlikely with the playoffs somewhat dead at this point. Oh, that's sad. We'll have to find a different game to go to. Yeah, maybe, um, I don't know. Who's, who's actually got a chance of being in the playoffs this season? Maybe, maybe Snowburn City. Actually, I think they might be involved in the playoffs for the National League South if, uh, if they keep it up. Um, there you go. Talking about National League stuff, uh, Tom, you recently had a nice little experience, didn't you? 
yes, I presented the National League South trophy to Ipswich United, which was uh, a lot of fun. They're a lovely club, good people, and they've had an absolutely unbelievable season, absolutely smashed that league. So it was, it was a great pleasure and privilege to be invited down to gate crash their party somewhat, but um, had, a good, had a good day out in the sun. It was nice to go to football and witness good attacking football um, and, and enjoy myself. Lovely stuff. Uh, Doesn't happen often this season. Hasn't happened often this season. <laughs> Not a Vicarage Road anyway. Not a Vicarage Road anyway. And Snowbin's one of the clubs in the hats, uh, or in the race even, to, um, to, to get that second spot via the playoffs. So uh, good luck to them and all the other teams involved as well. One last thing before we go, and uh, I just want to point you in the general direction of uh, uh, the last pod that we did. It was really, really good. Um, Tom, you sourced a pretty special guest. Uh, do you want to tell us about um, your, your chat with Kieran Maguire? Yeah, I just I had a chat with Kieran Maguire from the Price of Football podcast. He is an accountant, but also a, a big football fan, has his own podcast, the Price of Football podcast, which a plug in the interview is, is genuinely really interesting. Um, from a kind of football business point of view, however much of a background you've got or in that side of things, I can guarantee you'll find it interesting. Uh, so we, we invited him to to do a, an interview on the show and he did and he gave us a lot of time and a lot of really good insight into the accounts uh, that have just been released for the, the financial year ending 2022. Um, and although there are, there are some things in there that kind of, our cause for concern. I think he was able to kind of allay fears on a few other things as well and, and just add a lot of context and information that, you know, we agree that we are laymen, uh, laymen like us wouldn't otherwise have been able to do. So I would, I would say go and, and give that a, a listen um, for, you know, a, a kind of entry level understanding of, of what all those 57 pages or whatever it was of accounts mean for Watford. Right, okay then, um, that'll do us for today. But um, from myself, from Tom, and from Jordan, we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.